Today, I want to talk to you about Skellig Michael, and this is without a doubt one of the coolest places in all of Ireland, maybe the coolest place in all of Ireland. It's worth going to Ireland just to go to Skellig Michael. This is one of my favorite places I've ever been in my life, and I want to talk to you about it. I want to tell you a little bit about it so that you can kind of put in context what you're looking at and what you're hearing and reading as you're learning about it on the day you visit it. And then also give you some tips on how to maximize your trip to this place. So that's what we're going to do here. So first, let's talk about what this is. You may not be familiar with Skellig, Michael. Skellig means island. So we're dealing with an island and it is off the coast of County Kerry. So we're dealing in Southwest Ireland, which is a fairly remote part of Ireland overall. And there is a peninsula called the Ivera Peninsula, which is also commonly called the Kerry Peninsula because there's something that goes around it called the Ring of Kerry. And it's an area of scenic overlooks and quaint towns and things like that. And people do loops around it. Well, if you go beyond the Ring of Kerry, there's a little town called Port McGee, and that's where boats set out on a little 45-minute voyage out to a small island or crag, really, called Skellig Michael. The island is sort of a mountain. It goes to about 700 feet tall. And at the top, there's a little monastic settlement from over a 1,000 years ago. These are little beehive huts that they lived in. They're still there, and they're still preserved. There's a, a little church and some other ruins that are there as well. But you can go and see how these monks lived well over a thousand years ago. And, and that's really one of the coolest parts about this. So let's talk about that. These monks, who were they? Where did they come from? Why did they leave? And that sort of thing. We know some of this, but we don't know when they first arrived. So let me place this in context first. When you're talking about Ireland, three big dates to keep in your mind are 400, 800, 1200. 400 is when Christianity comes to Ireland, courtesy of St. Patrick. So during the 400s, uh, you have this rapid spread of Christianity. 800, almost exactly, is when Viking raids start and then followed by Viking settlement. So you have that going on for a few hundred years after that. And then 1200 is when the English come. Now, the era we're talking about is post-Christianity, because we're talking about monks, and it's largely during the Viking times, but it's pre-English, just to place this in sort of a broader context. When did the monks go out there? Nobody really knows. There's thoughts that it was started by a saint called St. Fionin, F-I-O-N-A-N. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. And he acted within County Kerry in the late 500s and early 600s. So there's some thoughts that he led a group of monks out there and established this monastery on Skellig Michael. Others don't think so. And they think it started later by disciples of St. Fionan. What we do know was that for sure... It was there by 824 because there's a reference to it in a, a famous book about Irish history that records Irish history that refers to the Danes actually coming to Skellig Michael, sacking it, and then taking away the head of the abbey, who then later died of starvation. So we know it was there in 824. Now, we don't, like I said, we don't know when it started. I'm just going to sort of say that it was started in the 700s. I have no good reason to say that, but nobody really knows. The point is that when we talk about the 700s, we're talking about a Christian time 
but it's pre-Danes. So why did these monks go out to Skellig Michael? Well, it wasn't to escape the Danes because they weren't there yet, assuming that it starts in the 700s. So why did they go out? There was this notion in early Christianity of sort of going to the desert, sort of going out and leading this monastic life of prayer and solitude. And, and that's a big player in Ireland. And in fact, you see it all over. It's weird because Southwest Ireland was already pretty remote. You're talking about the 700s in Ireland, in County Kerry, in the west coast of Ireland. This is a really remote place as it is. It's not like these people were trying to escape midtown Manhattan and go somewhere. These people were already in a place where there were no roads and hardly any people. It's mostly trees and a coastline. And yet they wanted to take it further. They wanted to go out even further and they did so to Skellig Michael, which is like beyond the edge of the world. But that's what they did. And like I said, they, we know they were there by 824 and they lived there for several hundred years. And in fact, we know when they left because they built a new abbey in a place called Ballinskelligs, which is on the mainland. It's on the very tip of the mainland, but it is on the mainland. And they moved there shortly thereafter. So they abandoned the monastery or the settlement on Skellig Michael in the early 1200s. But let's assume that they moved there, I don't know, in the 700s. That means that they were on Skellig Michael, living on Skellig Michael for over 500 years. You know, I live in the United States. We've only been a country a little over 200 years. So double the time that we've even been a country, there were monks living on Skellig Michael and eking out a living. And you'll see more about that when you're there. Now, like I said, they initially moved out there because of uh, sort of living this life of solitude. And they would have about 12 monks on the island, they think, at any given time. But in pretty short order, as we've already mentioned, the Danes become a problem and they sacked the island several times. One of the ruins there was sort of a tower. So there were some defensive fortifications there, but mostly it was just the island itself. Anyway, now let's talk about the island itself a little bit and what you're gonna see if and when you visit it. Like I said, you take a 45 minute boat ride out there and you get off the boat at a, at a little landing zone, and we'll talk more about that later as well, but you almost immediately climb a, a little ladder and it can be slippery, so you really wanna be careful getting off the boat. And then once you do though, there's just a flat path that runs along the bottom for quite a ways. So you can just sort of stroll along there. But at some point you start heading up, assuming you choose to, and there are 618 steps to the top. So it's, it's doable, it's a challenge for basically anyone but I've seen lots of people do this. I remember the first time I got there, I huffed and puffed my way to the top and got there. And there was a woman at the top who had to be in her mid eighties, standing there at the top, having climbed it. And I thought, wow, I'm really out of shape. I'll tell you a secret right away. And I learned this when I went to the Mount Everest base camp. When you're faced with a hike, particularly an uphill hike, just walk slow, walk slower than you think is reasonable. If people are behind you, just let them pass, move to the side. Just walk slow, keep your breath under control, and you'll be fine. Anyway, that's what you'll be confronted with when you get there, and you'll just walk to the top where you'll see the uh, monastery. If you go during uh, the summer months, though, I should be puffins too. Those are only there, I think, end of April. They're definitely there May, June, July, and part of August. I know that as I record this, I'm preparing for a September tour, so 
Uh, they won't be there when we're there, but they might be if you go during the summer. Anyway, let's talk about the trip. And the trip is half the fun, for me anyway. Like I said, you take a boat out, and they usually start in a place called Port McGee. It's out at the end of the peninsula, and the boat takes about 45 minutes. There's more to it than just going out and landing on Skellig Michael. Initially, you do that, but then when you get off and you come back, they'll take you around the island a little bit. They built a lighthouse, and so they'll take you to see that usually. And they'll also go around another sort of companion island called Little Skellig. And Little Skellig is uh, interesting in itself. You don't go on it because it's it's really primarily made up of really sheer cliffs. But it's, it's a really interesting island that you'll actually go pretty well all the way around. If you go during the summer months, Little Skellig will be absolutely covered with puffins. And so you'll see them and that'll be pretty cool. Now, these boats, you've got to do a little planning to get on these boats. Skellig Michael is a UNESCO heritage site. It's only one of three in all of Ireland and Northern Ireland. And the number of people that are allowed on the island is limited. I think it's 180 people a day. So not very many. They usually only run, I think, like six or eight boats out there. These boats are not very big. Uh, They usually hold around 12 people. Uh, and you're in the back of the boat, and it's open. So you're going to want to bring rain gear or something like that because you can get a little wet. Anyway, the boats only run in good weather. And the reason for that is that if it's rough at the landing site, then that could be a little dangerous. So they only run if they can safely land. So when I say good weather, it might be sunny where you are, but... If there's large waves, then you still can't go. They'll tell you the day before. They'll make a decision and go. I will tell you, I have gone there three times, or I've tried to go there three times, and I've been able to go twice. And I think that's pretty good. I think they go a little more than half the time. But you need to be prepared for some disappointment because they don't always get to go. And you also need to plan ahead. Like I said, This is very limited, but it's really become an issue. And I'll tell you, when I went the first time, which I think was, well, it was 2012, I stayed in Port McGee. We had no reservations at all. We simply walked out and got on a boat the next morning. And that worked for us. Contrast that, the last time I went was 2019. And I got reservations six months in advance And I was on the last boat with any availability at that time. Even six months out, this was filling up. So what changed? And the answer is Star Wars. In 2015, the new Star Wars trilogy came out. And the first movie was called The Force Awakens. And if you're familiar with that movie, you'll know that at the end of it, they cut to Luke Skywalker and he's being handed his his, uh, lightsaber by the girl, and I forgot her name. I think it's Ray. Anyway, he is like a hermit on an island in the middle of nowhere. And that island is Skellig Michael. And then in the next movie, which was called The Last Jedi, which was two years later, they filmed a, a whole training sequence there where Luke Skywalker is then training Ray on this remote island. That has caused the attendance of Skellig Michael to go through the roof. Um, and now it's you have to plan far ahead to get your tickets. Now, if you're coming with me, don't worry. I mean, for my one of this year, this is 2022 as I record this, I already have the tickets. We're all set. But if you're going on your own, 
then you need to do that well ahead of time because they will sell out. Incidentally, the, the Star Wars stuff is actually kind of interesting in and of itself. I have talked to a few people who were associated with that. What they would do is hire some of the uh, local Irish people to help with certain things. And the guy I talked to most was a porter. And he carried stuff to and from. Because what they did was they, they filmed for a season just doing the end of the first movie. And then they filmed for an entire season the next year doing the whole training sequence. And they actually tried to film a third season, but they couldn't get a permit. And so they had to recreate the whole scene somewhere on the Dingle Peninsula. And I'm told that much to the chagrin of the landowner, they removed every single scrap of it because he thought he was going to have quite the little tourist attraction. But it was not to be. Any event, I, you know, I've seen pictures of this guy carrying R2-D2 on a stretcher because they had to move stuff in and out every day. Keep in mind, they're still running the, the tours out there every day. And so the Star Wars people could only film after the tours were over. And typically that's over by two in the afternoon. Anyway, you'll probably hear more about that as we go. But it's become part of the story of Skellig Michael at this point. Okay, so now let's talk about how to approach your day to maximize it and make sure that you have everything you need. Most people, when they approach this, are going to be staying maybe in Killarney or Kenmare or somewhere inland a little bit. So if that's the case then what I recommend you do is that you combine this with a trip around the Ring of Kerry. What you'll do is head out from wherever you're staying, head down to the south part of the Ring of Kerry, and just go out there in the morning and then use that morning portion to see some of the scenic areas of that uh, Ring of Kerry. Maybe stop at a few overlooks and do that. And then when we come back, We'll do that via the north part of the Ring of Kerry. So that's kind of a good way to approach this. The tricky part is that they don't actually tell you what time your boat is going to leave until a few days prior. Like I said, this is a a UNESCO heritage site. So there's a lot of regulation that goes into this. And uh, the boat operators are sort of at the whim of them. And so they don't really know. The boat operators don't get told what time they'll leave until, you know, like I said, a few days before. It'll be before 10 o'clock a.m. It might be as early as 8.30. Uh, A lot of them seem to go around 9.30 or, like I said, as late as 10. And so you don't really know what time you have to leave because you don't know what time you have to get there. But do leave yourself some time. And there's two reasons for that. Like I said, one is that you're going through a scenic area. You know, the Ring of Kerry is a super popular tourist attraction. And it's actually really cool if you do it this way because there won't be any tour buses this early in the morning. If you go in the middle of the afternoon, you're going to be dealing with tour buses and a lot of people on this thing. It's very popular. But if you go early, you'll have none of that. The other thing is that you're going to want to make provisions to be there a little bit early because you're going to want to make sure you have food and drink when you go out on the boat to the island. You can make your lunch the night before and bring it with you if you're so inclined. And that's not a horrible idea. But a thing I want to impress upon you is this. Once you get on that boat, there is no food, there is no water, there are no restrooms, there are no services of any kind. And so you need to be ready for that. And what I recommend you do is have your lunch and have some water with you when you you go. A good way to do that is to get there a little early and directly across the bay from Port McGee, 
is an island called Valencia Island. And you'll see it right away because right as you're about to pull into Port McGee, there's a bridge and it crosses and, and you'll see right at the foot of the bridge on the other side is a little place called the Skellig Experience Center. And actually some boats go out of there. So it might be that your boat is, is going out of there anyway. But even if it's not, it's a good place to go for two reasons. Number one, they have a little display about the Skellig so you can kind of learn a, a little bit more about them and what you're getting into here. And the other thing is they have a little counter service stand. You can get some coffee or something for the morning, but they'll also make you sandwiches for lunch for the day and you can take that with you. So be sure you've thought about your lunch ahead of time. I think if you stay in Port McGee, there's people that will make them there for you. Like I said, you can also make them ahead of time, but if not, then make sure you leave yourself some time uh, to pick it up at the Skellig Experience Center. Anyway, from there then, you'll just go catch your boat. Like I said, it's an open boat in the back and I've been there twice and once I got wet and once I didn't. So definitely bring your rain jacket. You might even bring rain pants to keep from getting wet. I don't know that you will, but you might. So you want to protect against it. In any event, if it rains while you're on the island, there's no shelter. So you'll want to have that uh, as well. The boat takes about 45 minutes to get out there. Uh, it's not too rough. At least it hasn't been when I got there and I can't imagine it would be because if it was, then they would cancel the whole trip. So you'll get out there and we've already talked about the island a bit that you'll, you'll dock and then uh, go up the steps typically to the monastery. Some people just get off the boat and walk along the path at the bottom and stay there if they don't feel like climbing up the steps. And even if you do that, I think it's still worth it going. The boat ride itself is pretty cool because you get to see the island and see little Skellig and all that sort of thing. And just walking around the path, you can see a lot. So that is worth doing, but obviously it's best if you go up to the top. At the top, there'll be a guide and he will be talking about the Skelligs and the monks and the monastery and things like that. And I've heard it twice and both times I found it very interesting and very well done. So I recommend that you do that. Uh, most people spend about a half hour at the top. A typical day would be climb up to the top, spend about a half hour up there, eat your lunch, take some pictures, and then listen to the guide talk about the skeletics. Then walk down and take some pictures on your way down. Be very careful going up and down if you're taking pictures. If you put the camera up to your face, don't move around. If you have it to your face and you don't see where you're walking, you could literally fall and die. There are not handrails. It's very, very exposed. And the ground is uneven. That sounds scarier than it is, but you do need to be a little careful here. Speaking of pictures, let's talk about what you might want to bring if you're a photographer. And I think the key here is to go light. I don't really think you need a tripod and I don't think you need much beyond a camera and a standard lens. I've carried a tripod to the top, but there's really no reason to do it. Keep in mind, if you're there, it's going to be the middle of the day. So you're going to have a lot of light. Uh, you, don't, you don't need a tripod in that situation. The only way you'd need a tripod is if you're purposely slowing the shutter down by using a neutral density filter or something like that. And normally I'm a big fan of neutral density filters, but when you're up high, like you will be at Skellig Michael, they don't do as much to the water, or at least it doesn't have as big of an impact on your picture. So I would say probably leave the tripod because otherwise it's kind of a pain to lug around. You can bring it if you want and it can be done. I've done it, but I don't really think it's worth it. Anyway, just head down, make sure you know when the boat is leaving and you're ready to go. And then you'll, like I said, go back. And the, the, the ride back is very interesting and fun because you get to go around a little Skellig and see the lighthouse and stuff. 
when you get back, you'll be tired and we'll ride back. Usually I go back via the north part of the Ring of Kerry. And there's a few places that are interesting to stop along there and then head out. And that, my friends, is a pretty salty day and ought to be a highlight of your tour. Frankly, like I said, I think this will be a highlight of your life and something you always remember. It's an amazing place. Anyway, I hope you found this interesting and I hope this helps you better enjoy your day on Skellig Michael. If you want to know more, there's some resources out there on the web and whatnot. A lot of people have made videos about their trips to Skellig Michael. Uh, one thing you might want to check out is that there's a website called Heritage Ireland, and that's heritageireland.ie. And they made a little video. It's a safety video. I do recommend you watch it because, number one, it has a lot of good safety information on there about Skellig Michael. And number two, it has a lot of good footage of the island itself so you can see what you're getting into. But I do want to caution you that you'll watch this video and you'll be scared to death. And you'll think, my God, what are you getting me into here? This looks like a death trap. It's not that bad. It is not treacherous or anything. You just need to be a, a little bit careful and anybody can do it. So even I watched this video and I've been there twice and I went, oh my God, that looks terrible, but it's not that bad. So don't be put off by the video uh, on Heritage Island, but it does have some good safety information. Anyway, like I said, again, hope you find this useful and I will talk to you later.